0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Amanda McCrossin, here with my favorite co-host, Vanessa Conlin. Hey, Amanda. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm really excited about our guest today. Me too. And speaking of our guest, I've had a really big week this week because- Oh, do tell. Oh, yeah. it's This is exciting. Are you a Sex and the City fan? Of course. Is anyone okay, not oh. a Sex and the City fan? <laughs> <laughs> you can chime in. Okay, so two <laughs> exciting things happened on the Sex and City front. Number one, Mr. Trey McDougal, Kyle McLaughlin, followed me on TikTok. I'm <gasps> Stop dead. Stop it. Dead. Screenshot sent it to everyone I know. Number two, one of my other favorite love interests in Sex and City, a short-lived love interest on Sex and City, Brian Callen, a.k.a. Howie Halberstein. He's also with us today to drink some wine. What's up, Brian? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: good to be here. Yeah, the guy who gave Carrie a sex frame because I'm a... T-
0: the Jackrabbit, yeah. I mean, did you did you think you were going to come on a show with two girls drinking wine and not talk about Sex and City for a hot second? <laughs> that that
1: the, the sobering the sobering reality when you're an actor is you realize you're just not a leading man. You're basically a character guy. <laughs> it's like you're just not quite symmetrical enough. You just don't have the, the, all the goods to be a leading man. You're just that quirky guy <laughs> <laughs> that she that she based once. So it's, it's it's fine. I had an agent one time who called me and said. They're looking for a coward and an alcoholic for this role. And I got it. And I got it.
2: (laughs) Wait, was it one character who was a coward and an alcoholic or two separate characters? Yeah,
1: both, both, both. It was (laughs) on, it was on seven and I played this sort of like dad who had been an alcoholic was trying to reconnect with his son, but he was a criminal. And it was, you know, listen, this is my life. This is your life.
0: You've had a pretty good life, though. And for those who don't know Brian, Brian, uh, he's, you're a stand-up comedian. You're an actor, writer, podcaster. Uh, also a wine lover, as I learned from listening to many of your podcasts and you being guests on other podcasts. But some of you may remember him, obviously, from Sex and City from that, like I said, short-lived episode. Uh, You were also on Mad TV, one of my favorite shows, uh, sketch comedy shows growing up. Uh, Frasier, the Goldbergs, the Hangover series. I mean, you've got a ton of stuff going on. And the reason that we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects today, which is wine and food pairing, and specifically steak, and wine is because I saw an episode of a new YouTube series that you just put out called Best Of where you went to, in one episode you went to a steakhouse in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great.
0: Where they basically
1: fly, um, they fly, I mean, they, they, they fry all their, uh, or cook all their steak <laughs> over an open flame, which had to be grandfathered in and stuff. So it's pretty cool. And uh, and, and there's nothing like great wine with a really good piece of meat yes. or cheese. It, it's it's it can I can sit in a wine shop all day and talk to them about the different wines, and I think there's nothing I'd like more than just to live in Bordeaux and just be mildly drunk all the time because I have to taste all the wine. So just nothing like-
0: so here's the solution, Brian, because this is literally what Vanessa and I do for a living. Yeah. We host a podcast about wine, we talk about wine, we drink wine, and we travel to all these great regions like pretty much on the regular. So I don't know, maybe a new podcast in your future.
1: I'm down, man. I'm down. (laughs) I'll be the travel I'll just I'll be your like traveling vassal, your valet, and I'll carry your bags, whatever I gotta do. (laughs)
0: We've been, we've been like fake pitching, but also kind of real pitching this. We've had a few other comedians on the podcast and we're like, what if we just did a seat, like a whole series of like taking comedians on the road with us. We go to wine regions, we get to like geek out on cool places and cool wines. And then they add the comedy element to it. I feel like this is the thing, like make this happen.
1: I I love that idea. I love that idea. Getting paid to drink wine and travel. The other thing you can do is if you're me, you just have very wealthy friends and then they spend a fortune in Bordeaux. And then when you go to Bordeaux with them, what happens is you get a private tour of like Chateau Grilla Rose, where yes. you basically get into the cellar and I drink a wine from 1956 and 1985 and 1999. And then, I don't know, whatever it is that we want. And then he, he makes you, he, the guy made us lobster he cooked this lobster over Cabernet vines in the chateau <laughs> stove, the open, the open wood burning stove. Yeah, that's 300. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And those say- are the
1: moments where you're drinking wine, and you're like there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Nowhere else.
0: Yeah. So. This is this is the beauty of wine and as you alluded to some of these experiences that you can have when like you know someone or you're traveling with someone that like knows someone these experiences behind the the privately marked doors are just unlike anything else so uh yeah. I don't know. I you know, you know a lot of people in the in the entertainment world. Let's pitch this show, let's get it happening. We know all the people on that side, you yeah. know all the people on the other side. I feel like we just need to
2: Yeah, you bring you bring the money, we'll bring the wine.
1: <laughs> I think I could do that. I actually have some <laughs> ideas for that. I think it could be really cool.
0: I'm gonna move us on to our favorite part of the the episode, which is not actually our favorite part, but we just really enjoy doing it, which is we talk about articles and cultural events that are happening in the wine world. A really interesting one, especially for you, Ryan, because I know you're very into the health game. Um, a new study came out out of Osaka, Japan, talking about the life uh, life expectancies, um, or I'm sorry, the cognitive function of older people who drink wine on a regular basis. Um, And I know we've had like other studies about this come out, like wine is better for your health and then it's sort of conflicting. But essentially what they're saying is that there is a direct correlation between the amount of alcohol you drink and your higher cognitive function above the age of about 75 and a further correlation between it actually being red wine, not just like any alcohol. So it increased their cognitive functions uh, quite a bit. So I think on the on the spectrum, it was between like zero and 30 and they were showing an average score of 26. I will caveat by saying that this uh, this particular study only went for about a year. So, and it was like 1,200 people. So. Also, these
1: studies are ridiculous. <laughs> these studies are irrelevant and ridiculous. <laughs> I don't care if wine takes five years or 10 years off my life. I'm drinking red wine, okay? Because life is better with red wine. Let me tell you why your cognitive function gets better and why you live longer. It's because you share red wine. It's because mm-hmm. when you drink red wine, you're with people you love and part of life and maybe all of life. Is being able to share a great meal over great wine. That that's that's called intimacy. <laughs> red wine is is a lubricant for intimacy. It is a seduction, and it could be a sexual seduction. But more importantly, it's probably a, a friendship. It's a connection. There's something about red wine that kind of relaxes you and opens you up to all the possibilities at the table. And 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 so, in my opinion. You know, we live in this world where, you know, you've got to be paleo or carnivore and you got to count your macros. You can kiss my ass with all that bullshit, <laughs> all right? Guess what? Nobody gets out of this fucking thing alive, everybody. Sorry to tell you, nobody. You could do all the right things, man. You can take your vitamins and wear your seatbelt and, and, and exercise every day. And something comes out of nowhere and, 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 you know, takes you out. It's gonna happen. Most of us hope we die. In our sleep. But when that Grim Reaper comes, sorry, bro, time to leave. So in the meantime, get your kicks. And one of the ways to do that is by drinking red wine. I can't stand all this longevity bullshit. If, I, I hope wine kills me. You know what? It's it's. I just woke up. Death by wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Death by wine. Bring it. Bring it. I, I'm not going to be on my deathbed like, mm, I lived You're a kid- couple more years and I didn't drink any red wine. Shut up. <laughs> I want the
0: hangover. Um, one, can we just end the podcast right there? Because I feel like there's, there's like that's it, that's it, that's the whole, that's the whole season two. You got me riled up. You got me riled up. <laughs> that was that was Chappie's fault. He's our producer. And he specifically threw that article in there because he was like Brian's into health. I feel like we'll have something to say about it. And man, did you deliver?
1: I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. You just, it's very humbling, but it's all good. I just, I mean, I rage against the night. I'm never going to stop working out and doing all the crazy things I do, but. I'm also gonna take my time. I'm also gonna take my time. And part of that is just drinking great wine. Well, wine is a, it is a living food. It's an experience. And, and what you're drinking, if it's a good wine, yeah. is the amount of care and time it took. When you go to places like Napa, my favorite place in the world, or the Bonn region or wherever it is, man, you 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 see, first of all, that there's no other way to make wine. Yes, it's automated. Yeah, they have all the machines. But at the end of the day, it's a manual process. And what I mean by that is you gotta still pick those grapes and the right grapes at Mm. the right time and hope you're picking them at exactly the right time and hope that the weather, that the sun is hitting that partial land the the exact way it should, and that the sun was just so, and that there was enough precipitation, et cetera, et cetera. And then you put it in this vat, and then you gotta taste it and keep tasting it. And it's all timing. And it's all kind of like up to the gods, man. And and when it's so much magic, yes, it's so much magic. Yes. And so it's, you may have your, you know, that you get these people who can make wine, but it's like, there's a touch, there's a feel, there's the intelligence of the human mouth that you cannot replace with a machine. And that to me is something I I hope we never lose in an age where none of us really know where we're going to fit in our future. Think about it. Think about the blockchain and think about AI and think about gene editing. Do you see your biology fitting into that weird, crazy, futuristic world? No, but wine keeps me grounded, man. (laughs) There's something old fashioned about wine. I don't want your technology. Keep it over there, man. I just want my wine and I want it picked by farmers (laughs) with dirty, thick hands.
0: Brian, why do you not have your own wine podcast? You're so passionate about this. I I didn't
1: realize I was until we started talking
2: about it. New new discovery here. New discovery. All
0: right. Well, 100% agreed on all of those things. Vanessa, anything you want to add on the red wine front? I feel like I just think I like Brian's study
2: a lot more than any other study that I've read about. So I'm going to go with that as truth.
0: Yes. Okay. Because
2: mostly it aligns with what I'm already doing.
0: Yeah, because it's about confirmation bias. Yeah, you're
1: not supposed yes. to put it in the words. You know, putting it in the words is not the answer, right? It's 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 uh it's experiential. It's probably the difference between a mystic who who kind of like, you know, it's like the, who is that great mystic who said I've never spoken to God but I've heard him clearing his throat in the other room. <laughs> and there's something about great wine. You know, when you're drinking it and you get that rush with your friends and people that you love, and that's a rare thing, man. So it's, it's something I can't describe. It's like my friend opened this Chateau, this Rothschild, right? This, this, um, what is it? Give me, give me the, the Mouton Mouton, Mouton, from 1982. Robert Parker. Oh shit. That's the, that's the big boy. Oh yeah. That's the vintage. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Parker gave it a 100. Okay and yeah, uh, yeah. and and I drank it and the reason it's so special is that when you smell it you don't go like this you don't go oh yeah that smells just like no no it's got its own unique crazy godlike profile where you're like yeah you, you can't even drink it you're like I gotta just sleep I gotta keep smelling it so th- that's that's what it is. Sorry.
0: You're articulating what a lot of us can't, which is, you know, this magic around wine. We ha- I think in our profession, we do have to be a little bit more analytical about it. Now that I'm on a different side, like I'm more in the media now, I can say whatever the heck I want. Um, you know, and Vanessa, while you were going through your MW program, I think, you know, you had mm-hmm. to be more analytical. But now that we're both kind of like out of that game and we can just kind of like <laughs> fuck around a little bit more, it's so much fun to like sit and drink wine and talk about it and analyze it. If you want to, but if you don't want to, that's also cool. And I love talking to people who are super passionate about wine in this way that just – you know, the scores are great. The vintages are great. But like the reality is when you stick your nose in a glass of wine and you smell it and there's something that, that illuminates you in a way that nothing else can. And it brings a tear to your eye and every sense in your body is awakened. There's nothing else like it. I mean, you can go to a show, you can listen to a concert, but there's nothing that touches you in the way that wine does. And I will, I will die on that hill saying that because, you know, and if you can be listening to that concert and, you know, drinking a little wine while listening to Vivaldi, then like, Good for you, but like me sitting in a quiet room drinking wine, a really great bottle of wine, that's everything.
1: I have to just say this out loud, and I'm 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 about to get married. But Amanda, when you speak that way, I swear to God, I'm like I could be in a relationship with this woman. <laughs> I could move into her, and we'd be very happy together. That's a yeah. I'm just saying it out loud because it's it, like I'm literally swooning over over your words. <laughs>
0: You know what's funny? That's that's how my boyfriend and I fell in love. We we had we had very little in common when we first got together. And you know we kind of we didn't our, our minds are very different. Um but we came together on food and wine. And we sat yeah. down and we had a meal for the first time and it was like we spoke the same language without actually having to say anything and we just yeah. you, we both like smelled the wine and it was a, I remember it distinctly It was an SP68 from Ariana Oki Pinsi in, in Sicily and we both were just like fuck like, what? <laughs> what is this?
1: Yes. I got. I know. That's what you do sometimes. Good. Sometimes you just yeah. go, fuck. Like, yeah. what? That's what I've i done. I'm.
2: I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if I should, like, leave you two alone or if I should, like, <laughs> definitely stay here to chaperone. I'm, like, 50-50 <laughs> right now.
0: <laughs> I, can just I my- don't want you to chaperone, but I do know that you have it in you to contribute to this conversation because you and I have had very meaningful nights, like, drinking amazing – I remember drinking that. That Pierre Peters on with you at Torque yeah. months ago. And like, I same that. thing. We were just both like, how can champagne be like this? You know, you drink yeah. like shitty Prosecco, or I shouldn't say that, you know, Prosecco that just doesn't light up your life. And uh, and then you drink something like that and you're like, oh, like, well, yeah. How? And it goes, it how goes is this to, possible?
2: I, exactly. And it goes back to what Brian was saying was that, yeah, like you and I can both be more analytical, but there is magic. Sometimes you're just like, I don't know how this is in my glass the way it is, but it's magic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, it's like the difference between a cook and a chef. Right. So, so. Yes. Right. There are just some experiences and there's, there's wine and then there's wine and one is wine and it's table wine. It's all good. And then then there are wines that I hate to say this, but they kind of transcend. They kind of like, there, there's a metaphysical element where you just go, God, I'm so happy to be alive. You know, (laughs) like, I'm, I'm not just a brain and a vat I'm a physical creature you know, full of my scars and full of my physical pains, but thank God, you know, yeah God, you'll,
0: you'll appreciate this analogy. So we talk about the chef and the cook thing a lot, you know, and not necessarily the distinction between the two, but like a good chef and like a really, really good chef. And the distinction is, you'll appreciate this. The distinction is, did it tickle your taint? <laughs> did, did what you eat tickle your taint? Yes. Obviously I don't have a taint, yes. but it's like it. it's one of those things that like did it fondle your balls? Did it tickle your taint? Did it do? Th- <laughs> How many times can I say tan on a podcast? Let's
1: How find many? Out. Ha- <laughs> keep going, keep going. My favorite, one of my favorite words. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. But
0: like, did it, did it, did it make you just kind of like, whoa, like that really, it was it surprising. Was it delightful? Was it all of those things that have a sticky memory? Because I've had lots of great food in my life and I've, you know, I've been very fortunate. I'm sure you all have too, to go to amazing restaurants, you know, the best of the best Michelin starred. But when you look back through the menu, and Vanessa, you and I had a meal at, at Quince, right? What was that, mm, like, a year ago? Oh, that was incredible. So good. So good. And there, I left that dinner, and I you know, I, I, was thinking about all the things, and I was like, God, I was like, there were, like, five dishes where I just went, like, that tickled my taint. Like, they were just, they were so, like, I would go back just for that dish. And I think wine is the same yeah, way. Yeah, it is the
1: same way. What you're talking about here, and I'm, did I interrupt you? I'm sorry, because I loved what you were no. saying, because- it just got me thinking about. I think what we're talking about here, I think the reason you get, you study wine and get, become a psalm or whatever it might be. And I think what makes life worth living is not the comparisons, but the meaningful difference between things. This is where, this is hmm. where being cultivated in your taste and a connoisseur, or whatever you want to call it, that another way to describe that is someone who understands the meaningful difference between a pinot and a cab a good pinot and a bad pinot a great cab a french cab and a california cab an obvious cab and a subtle cab a layered cab you know these are all these these things that that kind of make life worth living man like and and i don't even have to taste it totally. i can just hear you wax poetic and i, I and it's like you're talking <laughs> about quince and i'm like yes yes food what what is food without wine it's it's the perfect pairing so
0: We're talking about food and wine pairings. And, you know, I worked as, as a sommelier at a steak, a very prominent steakhouse here in Napa Valley for years. Um, and so I've got a little experience in the steak and wine department. Vanessa, you do a lot of cooking at home. You obviously know a shit ton about food and wine. Brian, you do too. I, I want to just kind of like jump in with. Um, a few of the wine and food pairing like 101 mm-hmm. for people who are like, is it a real thing? Is it not a real thing? Do we care? So there's a couple of things to think about when you're talking about food and wine pairings. You've got the acid to fat ratio. You've got your salty sweet. You've got your acid components, your acids having to match in the dish. And so we'll be talking about all of those things as we talk about different dishes. But I do want to kick it off with like, Brian, have you ever had an incredible food and wine pairing that just kind of like blew your mind?
1: Yes. Like... You mean when I was in Bordeaux in Saint Emilion, which is like like it's a it's a city, it's a town, it's a village made from stone. Okay, probably don't even use mortar. They just they just use dry stone. And uh, well well you know there was the um, there was the squab that I had with this. I don't know what the wine was. Does it matter? It was from 1985. It it was my house payment. That's how much it cost. To, you know again, it's good to have rich friends. And, and, but then when the, when, the, when the cheese waiter came out with all the cheeses that seem to, uh, you know, they're made in the caves just yonder, just yonder. Cause God forbid they get cheese from Burgundy. Are you kidding me? It's, they're so, I love, I love tribalism when it comes to wine and I love tribalism when it comes to the Europeans, especially the French and the Italians wouldn't dream if they're from Bordeaux, wouldn't dream of eating even cheese from Burgundy. But my God, my God, we had this Bordeaux and this cheese. And it's really true that there's something about eating that cheese when it's paired with a wine that's been proven to kind of be this seamless partner. It's basically sex in your mouth, but I'm sorry. Talk about tickling your taint. It was, it's better than sex. It's better than everything, you know? So that was my latest experience. And then I ate a pigeon's head and they covered. <gasps> they they covered. Yes, a pigeons. Head, <laughs> I didn't know and anyone gentlemen.
0: still did it. The it's oh, the, they held it's up the a dove, napkin. right? The the well, it's pigeon, but yeah, it's the dove.
1: Yeah. It's the it's the. I think it's called. It's I think it's a uh, wood dove. Okay, they call it a wood dove, and it's a wild dove. And they hold a napkin over, like they block your okay. face, so you eat it, and you can see the beak, and you eat the head. And then obviously you don't eat the beak, but they don't want anybody to see you eat. It's a tradition, right? When they used to have those little I yeah. think Francois Mitterrand. They didn't
0: want they didn't want it was too, it was too um, I forgot the word, it was too something for even God to see, is why they covered your head.
1: Right. And they would they would drown these little birds in brandy first. And then they they'd fatten them up, drown them in brandy, and Francois Mitterrand, that was the last meal he had before he he, he you know. Mm. But uh, and it's illegal. I'm frank.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of people don't do this anymore. But
1: yeah, yeah there's a lot because <laughs> you're eating a pigeon's head or a wood dove, especially a wood dove. Yeah, so here, here's to peace, everybody. But it was fucking fucking delicious. <laughs> yeah. So if it makes me a bad guy, I'll do it again.
0: <laughs> Vanessa, uh, any food and wine pairings that blew your mind?
2: I I honestly can't think of one, but you know I I know a favorite of mine, which I think is yours too, which is always like champagne and fried chicken.
0: Always, really? Every- oh, I've never always. oh my God, mm-hmm. Brian! I'm like I'm gonna DoorDash you some like KFC. Oh. Right now. I
1: love you for this. I, this is so. I'm I'm just. Gonna, this is yeah. beautiful. Wait. So 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 fried chicken, and what kind of champagne would you recommend?
0: Any champagne any champagne will do because it plays really? yeah so it plays into yeah. like i was saying there's a few like 101 rules it plays into this acid fat thing so champagne on the acid spectrum for wines is that basically the highest you can get it's got the highest amount of acidity of any wine sparkling still out there And then when you pair it with fat, like if you think about putting anything fat on your mouth, like if you, okay, so the reason that we love like soda with KFC is because there's like, there's carbonation, right? And you've got a little sugar too, so it balances the saltiness, but that carbonation helps to like balance that fat out. So when you're eating all that fattiness and it kind of like, kind of stays like laden on your palate and gives you a little palate fatigue. Uh, and it kind of like dulls everything down, the acidity just like brightens it back up so you can just keep eating and eating and eating and it makes everything sort of electric. And
2: so champagne and fried chicken – Like cleanses your palate, you know? It like sweeps away some of that that heaviness that Damina is talking about, uh, the fattiness. Yeah.
0: Anything fried with champagne, potato chips, French fries, fried chicken, anything fried with champagne is like a blow your mind mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: Hey guys, why don't you have an OnlyFans and just talk about food? Okay, because you'll make all the money in the world just be talking about fried chicken and champagne. Oh my god! Okay, keep going. That sounds unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm, it, yeah, yeah. It's but 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 seriously, like. It's it's uh, I can't wait to try this. I can't wait oh, to do this. Oh, it's
0: it will it's like a it's a game changer. And I, whenever people are like, oh, I'm like mediocre about champagne or mediocre about any wine, I will give them like one of the textbook old school wine pairings to pair it with. And I'm like, just try it with this, and I'm willing to bet your mind will change because food can change wine and wine can change food, and it can it can make you have these really like. Ethereal experiences in your mouth that you've never like that's the reason I fell in love with wine in the first place. Like I really liked wine. I didn't grow up in a wine-drinking household. My parents didn't drink wine. But when I when I was working in New York and I I was working with this somebody at, at this private club, he uh He turned me on to scallops and champagne and he actually decanted the champagne because he said the acid level is just a little too high for this champagne. So you actually want to bring it down just a little bit because CO2 is a weak acid. So bring down the acidity level by decanting it. So you remove some of the layers of that bubble and you get into more of the textural component. So when he did that and we paired it with with the scallops, I was like – I love scallops. I love champagne. And together, it made this holy matrimony in my mouth that I never thought was possible. This
1: is so wonderfully dramatic. Yeah, but, but I had a, I had a psalm say, I said, what's this wine like? And he goes, it's kind of like having a farmer grab the back of your head and shove your face into a bale of wet hay. I was like, oh, okay. Sounds terrible, but I'll get that. And then he said he was talking about white wine. And he goes, "This wine's more like taking a bite out of a wet dog." I was like, "Bring it to me, sir." And, uh, Interesting. Yeah. So, so I like your. I like- speaking of Army Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Speaking of which, <laughs> yeah, it was the weirdest. He was a very strange guy. But, um, but holy matrimony! I'm going to be stealing all these all these snippets. Great. What What is the <laughs> champagne you would recommend if if you had three champagnes, and and you could drink them? What would they be?
0: Uh, I'm a, I'm a Pierre Peters fan. Um, anything from Pierre Peters, which is a grower producer in champagne, meaning they grow all their grapes and they make their champagne as well. Uh, number two would be Krug, like all day long. Krug is one of my all-time favorites. Um, third, I would go... You know, we we did that Bollinger Rose, Vanessa, mm-hmm. for our episode a, a couple ago. I would go Bollinger Rose. It's I so think that's classic. One of the, the most delicious classic rose is out there. And you know, I
2: don't really like rose champagne. Mm-hmm. I like Blanc de Blanc, like super linear, but, but I know but, it's about But you. <laughs> we're learning new things today. But yeah, it's not I, I shouldn't say I don't like it. It's the on a list, it's gonna be the last thing I order if there's if there's great champagne on the list. I would always go something um okay. non rose. Yeah.
0: All three of those are like relatively easy-ish to find. I think do you guys still have Krug on wine access? Occasionally, I know it like goes in and out. It comes and goes,
2: get. but I'm going to I'm yeah. with you in my love for that wine. I mean, it's it's so yeah. consistent and just really delicious. If someone else is paying, have you... I'm going to add Solo's to that list.
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Hello? There's like there's like the wines that like I'll spring for and then there's the wines that like someone else will spring for right. and that's like Solo's Salon. Like there's a whole bunch of that category.
1: Yeah. <laughs> High level, yeah. Yeah. Fried chicken and champagne. Can you give me some more pairings, please? <clears throat>
0: yes. Well, yeah. we're, we need to talk about wine and steak, like red wine and steak, right? Because I know that's one of your favorites. And, and,
2: and Amanda, fun. I actually have a question for you about that because – so, Brian, you know, Amanda, if you didn't know, ran this wine program for this restaurant here in Napa Valley. Uh, amazing wine list, deep list of Napa cabernets, and also – you know, What was the restaurant? What was the called,
1: restaurant? It
2: was called, It's called Press. I know Press. I know Press. And, and obviously they have, you know, a lot of steak on the menu. So I'm, I actually am going to have a question for you, which is what was your favorite pairing? Was it Napa cab or did you choose something different? If you're recommending a pairing with steak there?
0: Well, it always, it depended on the steak, right? And so we, we were exclusively Flannery beef, which we've talked about on the show before. Brian, are you familiar with Flannery beef at all? This has become kind of a thing in California. So my,
1: my buddy Mark Schatz, Schatzberg, I'm sorry if that's his, I, I, he's, he's a great guy, but he wrote a book called steak, which I recently oh. read about, and now he's really into regenerative steak and the different mm. fast fed and corn finished and all that stuff. So it's a whole science. And it's really, there's, there's obviously massive differences, but I, I don't know about this particular steaks, but yeah, because I'm all ears
0: yeah so Flannery beef was really interesting they're based out of California he's uh, second or th- their third generation now with his daughter uh, joining the game basically they did something really interesting they were always um they were always Angus for forever and then I think about 15 years ago someone a farmer turned him on to male Holstein cattle. And right, so your dairy cattle, which obviously the females reserved for milk, the male Holstein cattle were just you know getting put out to pasture. Nobody's really using them, so they started butchering these male Holstein cattle, and what they found was that the marbleization of these cattle was so unique. So instead of having like your layers of fat kind of like moving up and down through it, it was almost like it was pinpricked. So you could you could flame it to a lower uh, a lower temperature, but still have this spread of the fat. Be really even because if you're you know if you're cooking a steak to a rare medium rare which is where I like it to be you may not get that fat to start melting throughout the entire steak you may actually get hit with kind of layers that are a little bit still cool and kind of like just hit you in a weird way. This was pinpricked uh the way that these whole male Holstein cattles were and so it was kind of like just melting out like butter all throughout the steak. And so we had this and they were I believe they were grass grass uh to your point like uh, grass fed corn grain finished. Yeah. Um and so they didn't have the you know the grassiness that you would get from like a full grass fed beef. It still had that really beautiful sort of like Angus feel to it, but the tenderness of this meat was unlike anything. But the the fat content was really high, so you always wanted a a, a, a cabernet that was going to be a little bit higher in acidity. But what I found with some of these steaks was actually a lot of white wines worked really well. So we've talked about Chardonnay and Champagne as a pairing for steak, and because that fat content is really, really high, you can go with something that's got higher acidity. I like to do like a Rosé Champagne with steak. This is, you know, we were an All Napa Cab Steakhouse. This is just kind of, kind of a general thing, but Rosé has a little bit more texture to, like, to balance out the steak. But um, if I'm talking about like a ribeye, for example, right? The fattiest cut you can get. Ribeye, flannery beef. I'm definitely going with something that's maybe made, uh, was produced in like the 70s or 80s in California, had some age on it. So like the tannin content was, or I'm sorry, the the tannins were a little softened, a little rounded out, but the acid was still really high. And so that worked really well with like ribeyes. If I had something like a filet, I could go brand new Napa cab, because the flay is such a low marbleization ratio, you can go with the higher tannin content to balance out with that protein, uh, without worrying about ne- it needing to have too much acidity. So you could kind of play around with different cuts to work with different types of cabs. Uh, Vanessa, you and I have a 2018 Keenan from Spring Mountain, um, which to me is a little bit more old world, this is something that I would do with a filet. This is, you know, this is produced in an old world style, but it still has, you know, a lot of that, like, that California richness, that great juiciness. It's from the 18 vintage, which was a phenomenal vintage. So I would do that with a filet, but we also have this Bordeaux, the Chateau Marceau, that uh, I would do with, like, a, like a dry-aged ribeye. You know, this is a little bit more on the old world side. The tannins feel... Very present, so to speak, but like to me, this is a, this is a wine that can go with um, something that has a higher fat content.
2: We actually, yeah, we. I, I have to. I'm gonna give away a secret. We we were gonna send you a Chardonnay. We were to, pair, to talk about steak, but then I think we learned that you don't want. Chardonnay I don't know in your well, life. I,
1: I know. <laughs> well, I've always, you know, it's funny. I, I find Chardonnay to be maybe it's like when I drink cabs that are very obvious and big and jammy um, I just for whatever reason it, it's just a lot of work for me that's a that's a meal in itself right and and mm-hmm. uh, and then chardonnays and I know there are some great French chardonnays <clears throat> I understand this but um, maybe I need to get back into them but they just always feel a little too oaky for me a little too sweet mm. yeah
0: yeah, but I yeah. might be I mean, ignorant. We've got to send you some some less oaky chardonnays. I'm, for I'm sure. in, and, there, it, and there's some great ones out there. Well, you're. This
1: has been an education because it sounds to me like the fattier the meat, the 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 more liberal you can be with your rosés, your bubblies and things like that. And I I never knew that, so I'm I'm I can't wait to experiment with that. I can't wait.
0: So proteins and tannin, so tannin, you know, the dry astringency that you get in your red wine that dries your mouth out. So all tannin is in red wine to some degree. Cabernet is a really high level of tannin. Tannin and protein bind together and they almost like cancel each other out. So it it has to do with your salivatory glands and and, like the saliva that you're producing as you're chewing. So the tannin will – if you're just drinking red wine by itself, right, that tannin is only going to bind to your salivatory glands. production. And it's going to give you all that drying sensation. When you add protein from like an animal into the mix, that tannin is actually going to bind with the protein instead of just exclusively the the saliva. So it'll make the wine seem rounder and softer. And it actually helps to enzymatically break down the protein that's in there as well. So this is why like red wine and steak are such a great pairing because they actually like really benefit each other while you're Taking it all down in your mouth
1: dude amanda McCr-
0: your your face right now is so good. i mean
1: we got a scientist up in this bitch everybody this is that is i love
0: that just to overeducated, I, some well what's
1: sad about me is i'm gonna be parroting this i'm gonna be parroting and uh and 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 i'm gonna sound so smart and i can't wait yeah. i'm not gonna give you any credit i'm just gonna be like ah. don't these,
0: i don't want any of it just my
1: research proteins mm-hmm. and tannins i love that Yeah. Proteins
0: and tannins. Yeah. Proteins and tannins, acids and fats. Uh, What else am I missing? Uh, Salt, salty, sweet. Oh, acidity is a big one. So you talked about cheese. And what I love about Bordeaux is, you know, Bordeaux kind of like takes a lot of these rules. They're like, fuck it, we're going to do whatever we want. And so cheese actually doesn't normally work with red wine because the tannin content's too high and the acid content's too low. So cheese, whether a lot of people realize this or not, cheese is incredibly high in acidity but it's that lactic acid. So you don't feel oh. it the way that you would feel it like a green apple. So it's really kind of vast. So you, in, in food and wine pairing 101, the rule is you want your acid from your wine to be as high or higher than the food you're pairing with, which is what makes champagne such a great food, great wine to pair with lots of different things. So with cheese, a lot of times what you want is actually like a really high acid white, like a Sauvignon Blanc, um, Pinot Grigio, things like that that have a, you know really high acid content. When you start like moving across this back, so that's, Fresh cheeses. When you get into like softer, semi aged cheeses, you can kind of beef it up texturally with Chardonnay. And then when you get to hard cheeses, that's when you can start going into like lighter red wines. But what I love about Bordeaux is in Bordeaux, it's like it's Comte Central, right? It's that hard cheese anywhere from like 12 months age to like I've had it to like five years. And so Once you start getting into that like kind of like crunchy, salty, you know, you get those like crystals in your mouth. Yeah. I love what they do at the end of the meal when you've got, you know, the rest of your wine in front of you. They give you that comp. And I don't know what it is about Bordeaux and cheese, but it just like it defies the laws of food pairing. And it's just magical. At the end of the meal, it feels so good. And all you want is like more – like you could be – I was in Bordeaux for an entire week. The only dessert I ever had was Compt. I had Compt in Bordeaux every single night. And it worked. So like these food and wine pairings are like, you know, there's rules, but like do everyone.
1: That's exactly, I've been there. I I would wake up, I was waking up in the middle of the night. My face, there was so much sodium in my face. I didn't recognize myself. (laughs) I was just, it looked like dough. Somebody had poked holes in dough. Now let me, the gun to your head, both of you, Vanessa (laughs) and Amanda, this is gun to your head. If you had to choose, if you had, you have to choose. If there was one region in the world, you could only drink from there for the rest of your life what would it be? Can
2: we choose two regions? One region for white and one region for red? I want to I'm trying to play by your rules here, but I need to... The answer
1: is no, Vanessa. <laughs> we have to choose one region. And then we can get into that.
2: Oh gosh, that makes it so much more difficult. Um <laughs> yeah, cuz if I ha- if I was if I was able to split it, I would would have said probably Chablis for white wine and Northern Rhône for red. Ooh. But Ooh. if I have to choose there's not a, a whole lot of red wine <laughs> uh, as north as Chablis, I'd probably then I'd, I would choose Northern Rhone, because then I can still drink Bionier. Very fair.
1: Very fair.
0: Okay, I feel like I'm going to surprise <laughs> some people, but also I'm not going to surprise anyone. It's a wide region, and I don't know if this is allowed in your game, Brian. I'm going California.
1: I knew you were going to say that. Were you going to say Napa?
0: I'm not going to say Napa. I'm going to say California, and if you want me to get specific about it,
1: Hey, excuse I'll me. You,
0: I'll give you I'll give you Sonoma. I need, I'm gonna need you
1: to get specific. Yes, please. I'll go I'll go mind. Sonoma.
0: And here's why. Because in California and specifically Sonoma, you've got everything produced from really great sparkling wine to really great cabs, really awesome Pinot. It's a huge Appalachian. So you've got north to south, multiple different elevations, coastal, inland. You've got everything. And to me, Sonoma is like one of those great places where you can have crazy experiences with wine that you never dreamed possible
1: really so over napa over napa over bordeaux
0: only because only because i like as vanessa always likes to say we like to drink promiscuously uh (laughs) i like variety i value variety over a lot of things and so for me like i think it would be great to drink bordeaux A lot but I don't want it all the time I certainly don't want it when it's 117 degrees outside like it was this week I want like a crispy white and like yeah I could have some Bordeaux Blanc but like I can't have Pinot I can't have Gamay I can't get I can't get sparkly Mm -hmm. wine in Bordeaux not good at least um so yeah that's why I go Sonoma
2: I I think Sonoma is a great choice because yes because you can do like you can do extreme coastal like Mean, Chardonnays, you know, Pinot Noirs, and then you can move inland. You can have Cabernet. You can have these great, like, old vines Zinfandels and field blends. So, actually, okay. I think that's a great answer because,
0: yeah, lots of variety. of variety. I'm in
1: love with both of you. I, I I'm fans <laughs> being your student and just listening like this.
0: <laughs> this is the beauty of the podcast. This, <laughs> this is, is why we're great. I, I mean, know. but I'm
1: so uneducated. So, so and is is it because Napa is too Cab heavy? It's too. Uh, Is it, is it just too specific? What, what is it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like when we're talking, I mean, yes, there's a ton of different varieties produced in Napa, but it is very cab heavy. I mean, we're talking 60 to 70% of what's planted here is, is Cabernet. And there's other things there's Charbonneau, there's Riesling, there's Chardonnay, but like the diversity of terroir that exists within Sonoma is pretty incredible because like Vanessa, I think I told you, I went on this like West Sonoma. So there's this new AVA American, this, you know, sub, sub-appellation of Sonoma called the West Sonoma Coast, which has always been there, but they just sort of delineated it. And so the West Sonoma Coast, we went on this trip from basically uh, Fort Ross View, which is at, you know, crazy high elevation over over 800 feet, all the way down to like the inner parts or the outer parts of Russian River Valley. And what was really interesting is like you could see, you could have these like crazy high acid, taut, like just knock you in the face with acidity, pinots mm-hmm. and shards. and then you could go d- down further south and inland and have these like rounder juicier experiences with like with chardonnay but then there's all these other pockets like you know, you've got Sonoma Valley where, like, our friend's uh, Hamill family wines are. And they're making beautiful cabernets from that place. You've got Cornell. So I think, like, for me, if I'm I, if I'm thinking about all the things that I'm going to want to drink with all the different foods that I'm going to want to eat, I think it just gives me more diversity of terroir more diversity of grapes and more diversity of style. Whereas Napa has, you know, Napa has built a name for themselves in a great way. And I live here and Vanessa lives here and we love Napa Valley. Um, but we build a name for ourselves in making really, really beautiful cabs, the best in the world. But in terms of there being other things and diversity of terroir, it does sort of lack in that department as compared to somewhere like Sonoma.
1: Wow. Wow. I'm I'm, I'm edgy. I love this. I'm, by the way, I'm getting married in Napa. Uh, you are? But it's only like it's just me and my fiance and, and another couple and that's it. Oh. Otherwise
0: it been. So wait, this is in the yeah. fall?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be- oh.
0: Yeah, be so Maybe beautiful. we can all get together. Maybe we can have a
1: meal. Maybe we can
2: we're gonna we're gonna go someplace that has fried chicken so we can try the fried I'm chicken and champagne. So down. And yeah, then we'll go someplace wait. that has steak and we're wait. gonna try Chardonnay with steak and then we'll also try okay. some red rice as well. So we can go
0: get a go get a mm-hmm. bucket of fried chicken from ad hoc, uh, and a and a good bottle of champagne and just like chill wait. outside I- and it's October is amazing here it is i'm I'm like,
1: and you're gonna be in you're gonna be in Portugal doing what Just li- existing tasting wine? and
0: living and tasting wine yeah I
1: mean I have, I have an amazing job on the comic and it's amazing, but I might trade it in for that I might trade it in I've got to go to Portugal and taste wine
0: we Vanessa and I both have backgrounds in in theater and um. That was always like my contention was like I I got tired of wow. getting up at freaking five o'clock in the morning for an audition at Ripley Greer. Oh God! And someone was like, "Hey, we'll we'll p-. Ripley I Greer." Know, I haven't heard like, I, every that time I see in
2: like a decade, and now it's like all these memories are flooding back.
0: <laughs> I know. It's so painful. So I, you know, get up to like do these auditions, like the ass crack of dawn. And then, but then I started getting into wine and they're like, well, you know, you can go to the Languedoc Roussillon and you can go to Bordeaux and you can, I was like, this is amazing. Like, why, why would I keep getting up at five o'clock in the morning when I can do this? And I loved doing what I did. But like, to me, and this is this is where wine, you know, sort of, like, takes art to the next level. To me, it was, like, it, going back to that experience. It was that, like, all-encompassing, feel it all over your body, makes everything tingle up to your taint kind of experience. And then when you go to these places and you get to drink these wines and meet these people and eat this food, like, lights out, game over. Thank you very much. I'm done doing whatever it is, I was doing before. I'm no longer that girl from Philly. I'm going to Bordeaux, bitches.
1: <laughs> Are you from Philly? My fiance is from, from Philly.
0: Really? man she's yes. she she's good for you we're we're a good crowd
1: yep I love. <laughs> is I she love from delco
0: <laughs> or is she where, where is she from
1: she's from she's actually from morristown which is okay yeah yeah Jersey. yeah but she identifies you know she's a philly's yeah you know, she's a she's a an eagles freak she just like yeah. she's all she's all the way yeah i love go, performing go birds i love i love performing there
0: philly's great um
1: yeah, that's 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 uh, you came to your senses. My my <laughs> daughter at fourteen wants to be an actress, and I'm like, don't do it. I got to clip those wings in a hurry. I got to No, her
0: let the her law. let her do it, and then just let her figure it out. It's not you know maybe it's yeah. for her, or not for her. I I was really when I grew up, and my parents were very very supportive of everything that I did, including you know being because I I did the stage thing for my entire childhood into my mid twenties. I was always wow. very very grateful that my parents were supportive, and I know Vanessa, you yeah. have supportive parents as well. I was very grateful that I had supportive parents to nurture that and that I had the experience on stage. And then I, you know, I get to think about it fondly and I I get to have those experiences to take with me into wine because wine, you know, we're, it's all a metaphor, right? There's, there's nothing that's, there's no hay in this glass. There's no berries in this glass. It's just this liquid that exists. And so having other things in life that are life experiences to compare it to, to think about, and to have these really sticky memories is really important. So I think, I think having interests outside of wine is is uh, is critical to to appreciating and loving wine, just like anything. But I are. think what's so cool about wine too is like you can love wine and and
2: know and appreciate so many other things because as we're talking about, you can learn about you know places, terroir, regions, people, food. What do they eat there? Chemistry, right? Religion. All these
0: things yes. are in this glass. Yes. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Yeah. No. It's yeah. It's, it's it, the best.
1: It's a huge point of pride, and you can see why in those regions. The world would be a different place without wine. You could, you could make that is an objective fact. You could actually make a real case for that. If the world had no wine, it, you, you wonder, you wonder. I don't what want to think about like. that. Yeah, it's unthinkable. We, well, you know, I think there are things <laughs> to die for, right? There are things you would die for, like your country, your family, you know. But then there are things you live for. And one of those things is art, is great art, right? Mm-hmm. Because it kind of lifts you up, it transcends. You kind of forget you're human for a while. When you watch a great piece of art, whether it might be a great, a great play or, or it's a piece of music that brings you to your knees, there's something about that that kind of arrests you. you you're in sort of high relief. You you forget you have to go to the bathroom and sleep and eat. And <laughs> all those things, right? You just, you just don't, you just kind of, you, well, you're spellbound, you know? And I think that wine approximates that in some ways when it's a great meal. And you, the first time you dip your nose into that glass, you just, I get so excited. It's, it's more than just endorphins, man. Yeah. It, it's something else because I'm, I know what's to come. You know, it's, it's almost like this adventure. I'm just like, oh, we're so lucky. Oh man, we're so lucky. Yeah. It's like what you did when you went, fuck, you know? <laughs> sometimes the only thing you can do is either sing a song or scream, fuck yeah I don't know yeah maybe that's what your tank it's interesting
2: Brian to hear you talk because you said (laughs) it makes you forget you're human and I get that when you talk about like oh yeah I have to pee but I'm gonna like I forgot that because I'm so enthralled but it's funny because I always say like it reminds me that I'm human because it like inspires you know I feel things I'm you know like the hair is standing up on my arms or these things it's not like I am a robot computer because I do spreadsheets and stare at my phone it's like I'm feeling emotion, you know? Yes. Um, Yes. mm
1: -hmm. That's exactly right. You're flesh and blood and you're vulnerable and you're a limited creature. And we don't have that much time. Mm -hmm. And this is a very rare occasion. All those, all those parameters make you feel alive. It's really part of what it is. I think it's, it's, you feel lucky, you feel limited. You feel like this is going to end. So I better enjoy it now. You know, it's all those beautiful things. It's, that that is almost uh, the, I think that might be why we cry when we see something beautiful. I was listening, you can say what you will about the Queen and you know and colonization and stuff like that. But Boris Johnson <clears throat> made a speech about the Queen. and man, it was it was it was really, really moving because he kind of said she was for us the mother that was the one constant mm. that was above politics. She was above the Tories and the Whigs. She was above right and left. She was above all of it. She was always there and we knew that this too shall pass as long as Queen Mum is watching over us. And that there was something really moving about that, man. <clears throat> and but but part of that comes with this sense of limitation that we're all going to we're only here for a little bit of time. So to your point Vanessa, that's a really really good sort of distinction. Maybe it kind of like Maybe we ride the balance between the two sensations. I am limited, this is gonna end, but also I don't think I'm human right now. This is kind of transcending me into a state Mm -hmm. that can only be achieved when I'm drinking this ridiculous wine with this amazing food in this incredible setting. Intimacy, adventure, two things that are very rare.
0: May we all be so lucky to enjoy All sorts of intimacy and adventure. I I had a whole list of questions that I'm not going to reduce this podcast down to into asking because I feel like at this point we've just we we have over delivered. You have over delivered. This conversation is over delivered. I'm absolutely thrilled that you took the time to do this with us. I hope you'll come back and do it again. Anytime. I don't think we've ever had so much fun talking about wine um, with you, Brian. And you've been such a such a a great joy to do it with. Uh Thank you. one thing that I do want to mention since Vanessa and I and I were drinking some great wine on this podcast, and what we did promise for season two is that we were going to invite all of you listening in to join with us. So we've launched a wine club. So the wine that you'll find in your wine club shipment is the Chateau Marceau Cote de Bordeaux. Um It's delicious. It's wonderful. It's delicious with, uh, with a ribeye, as I mentioned. Um, if you are a member of the Wine Access Unfiltered Wine Club, I hope you're enjoying the wines from this week's episode. Um, and keep enjoying, uh, for the next episodes as well. So if you're not though, you can sign up. There's a, there's a description below where you can do all that from. Um, Brian, anything we should plug? I know you've got a special going out, and you're on tour. Anything you, where you want people to find you and enjoy all your wonderful things? Yeah, my
1: my my special man tears just dropped. Basically, the theme is if men could cry, the world would be a very different place, and uh, and and also probably the other theme to that is that you're vulnerable no matter what you try to do. You know, uh, nobody gets out of this thing. But um, that that seems to be doing really well. So it's on YouTube. You can get it anywhere you have your YouTube and. Uh, Best of is my YouTube show. We're about to have some crazy, amazing guests. And uh, I'm about to start my new podcast, which is The Brian Callen Show. So I'm doing it all on my own. It should be fun. Awesome. Yeah, man. But thank you. This has, been, awesome. this has been awesome. I hope we can do it again. I, I, I'll come to Napa. I need an excuse. So let's go.
0: <laughs> yeah, we would love for you to come up here. We haven't done any of these in person yet. So I think it's you know that we're all traveling again and having a little bit more fun totally get up to Napa and, and we'll have some some good times and great wine and maybe some fried chicken and champagne. Who knows?
1: I'm in. I'm in.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this is the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast produced by Chabby Cottrell. Uh, we rehearse Amanda McCrossen and Vanessa Comlin. And thank you for listening. See you next time.